following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jones and Brown. Both of you are crazy. Both well, Mike Jones and John Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Jonesy and Brown podcast. My name is John Brown. By my side is my man, Mike Jones. Mike Jones, we got football to talk about. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year. We got a whole, we have a whole week of regular season football to talk about, as well as a whole week of regular season football to preview. Football is back. We now have pro football. We have college football. It's it's starting. It's a thing. I wanted to start off real quick. I wanted to make this real quick post because you and I both love football. Mm-hmm. I want to get your thoughts on this. I think the NFL is dropping the ball not starting on Labor Day weekend. I think the NFL should start Labor Day weekend. I think Labor Day weekend should be synonymous with the start of NFL football. There were a couple of things that I I I missed but didn't miss about the start of this season. I will say that like I liked the idea of two Monday night football games. Even though I rarely finish the second game. Mm. Just the fact that it's on. I, I need that. Let you me get ask yourself, a question. You get yourself a good game, and then there's another game. Even how though I don't pe- finish. How many people you think are like you and don't finish that second game? Whole bunch of us, but I still need it. So, time out. Mm-hmm. If so, if, A, if you're not watching, you don't need it. That's a lie. You, I still need, need it. it. It's a security you, blanket. I need you, it. I need right. two games. I'll, I'll put it to you like I this. know what time you have to get up in the morning. Yeah. You don't need the second game. I, I don't need the second game, but I want the second game. You're not watching the second game. The second game will watch me. That's all. The TV's going to be on. The rating, you'll get the ratings. The TV will be on. <laughs> and, and my thing is, you, like, it's Labor Day. You do it on Labor Day, you have an excuse to start. Uh, like, everybody's home. Everybody's off. You could feasibly have a 4 p.m. game and an 8 o'clock game on Labor Day. It doesn't have to be 7 and 10 or 7 and 11. Like, you had Ra- you had Ra- Ravens and Raiders as your first Monday night game of the season this year, right? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Game starts at 820. That's cool. You could have had a 4 o'clock game on uh, Monday. It's Labor Day. On a Monday, Labor Day Monday, you have a 4 o'clock NFL game. See, I had to check my calendar real quick. Mm -hmm. Because the season started the week after Labor Day. Yes. Okay. And you're suggesting they start on Labor Day weekend. I'm saying yes, Labor Day Labor Day weekend. You get a game on Thursday, you get a full slate of games on Sunday, and then Monday you get two NFL, two NFL games, two Monday okay. night games. So assuming that works for your Monday proposal. Yes. What do you think happens to your 
Sunday ratings on the last beach weekend of the year. I look. If you're a football fan like me, I'm. Look, I'll send the wife to the. Hey, you take the kids to the beach. Football's on. <laughs> I got football. <laughs> football, bro. <laughs> I'm just asking, what do you think happens to the Raiders on the last beach it's day of football. summer? Football. Football takes precedence over everything. There's no way. I, I I don't think the last beach weekend of the summer will hurt the NFL. Well, I'm not sure how you run your household, uh-huh. but but football doesn't pay, take precedence over most people's kids. That, and no, and no, most people's true. kids last day of summer. They gotta go ahead and do something with the kids. Well, I will, I will, I will put it to you like this. Now, I'm the sure way, the NFL has done their research. We know I'm, how the NFL feels about their money. I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm sure because they're and the, if their if their money was going to be right by being by being in business on Labor Day weekend, I'm sure they'd be in business on Labor Day weekend. Oh, absolutely. There's a reason why the big wigs at the NFL get paid the big money to make the big decisions. And you and I are here doing podcasts on Facebook for free. All I'm saying is Labor Day weekend would have been awesome with some football. I give me two games on Monday. Give me my, my give me my Monday opening weekend doubleheader, full slate on Sunday, and a Thursday night game, and my Labor Day weekend is good. That's what you want on that, Labor that's, Day. That's weekend. what I want. That is what I want. Now, let's get to the actual games because there were, there were some actual games. You, We talked on the Green Over Everything can, can, podcast. Can I ask you a question sure. first? Let me, let me make one, one quick point. Because uh, you... I'm off topic. And oh, I, I oh, wanna, I, so I want to ask you this question before okay. you get uh, Go ahead. What happened to the Phillies, man? I don't want to talk about the Phillies. I don't. Don't don't darken my doorstep with Phillies talk right now. The Phillies is dookie. I, I don't I don't know any and but I'm I'm glad I will say this. I went to one Phillies game this season. Just Me too. one. I went to one Phillies game this season and the game I went to, they were in first place. I can't speak to the rest of the season. But the uh, one was, game I, I went to I was there to, this time a week ago. Oh boy. Against the Rockies. Great seats. Row three right behind the Phillies dugout. So you you were real close to that stinking mess, huh? Oh, it was a decent game. They didn't blow it until the ninth inning. That's when they always blow it. Mm-hmm. That's when they always But at blow least it. that lets you enjoy most of the game. Uh nah, no, no. Let, I'll, I'll tell you this. The game I went to. The game I went to was uh they got to the ninth inning and gave up back to back to back <laughs> home runs. I'm sitting there flabbergasted. Like I I've seen back to back home runs. Seen guys have multiple home run games. I have never seen back to back to back home runs. The Phillies are dookie. The Phillies will be dookie. The Phillies are going. You know what the problem? Know what else is going to happen? We're going to have to have Mike Patton 
back on this show. You remember we had Mike Patton on right after they signed Bryce Harper, and he put mm-hmm. out that article that talked about Bryce Harper not living up to his contract. Not that the Philly struggles are directly tied to him because he's doing all he can. And that's exactly what I was about to say. Like, there's actually not much argument to make for Bryce Harper not living up to his end of the deal. But if there's nobody on around him so he can't get RBIs, Mm -hmm. your pitching stinks. So even if you score... So even if you score four or five runs, you still lose. Like, remember when the Phillies, like, an 08 and 09, if they put four or five runs on the board, you knew they won? Team, you know, back in back in those days when a team had two, three, four aces, mm-hmm. five if you want to count Joe Blanton, you know. Yeah, if you put four or five runs on the board, it was a win. Yeah. No, not anymore. Not anymore. I will tell so, you that. Okay, go ahead. Make your point. So I'll just real quick, Bryce – I can't say Bryce isn't living up to his end of the deal. Bryce is having a very, very, very good borderline great season. Phillies are dookie. Correct. And I, I, I will say this. Part of the problem, even if you if you want to compare those the Phillies team of now to the Phillies team of of yesteryear. Yesteryear being ten years ago. Part of the problem is that team. Those teams were built around players that they groomed and brought up in their farm system. Ryan Howard is a Philly guy. Came up through their farm system. uh, J-Roll, Philly guy, came up through their system. Chase Utley, Philly guy. I say this, and I think it's it's, it's true in baseball and to a lesser extent basketball. When you are building a team, a major part of that foundation has to be guys you drafted. Bryce Harper is good. JT Realmuto is good. You know, they need they need more production from guys that came up in that system. Can't just go out and sign guys, throw out nine free agents, and hope for the best. Fact that Scott Kingery ain't that guy is a problem. You you look at you look at prize free agents, and, I, and I'm angry that you got me on this Phillies rant. But when when, I, when there's football to talk about, but I'll, I'll say my piece and we'll move on. You look at the time in between that those 08, those late 2000, early teen Phillies, and now. Look at the prize. Uh, draft picks that they had and how they turned out. The hell happened to Don Brown? What happened to Mikel Franco? Why has Mickey Moniak been such garbage? Kingery. You know, uh, who else? You know, Bomb isn't the guy yet. Janikowski Hoskins ain't the guy. Can't Hoskins defense. can't play defense. That's the problem. Bryce Harper is good, but what kind of team have you brought him to? You remember John Mayberry Jr.? John Mayberry Jr.? I remember when he had that big game and they tried to show his pop on Fox and they showed the wrong guy. <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about. You look you look at in between from this team now and those teams that were going to the playoffs every year, where are the farm guys, where are the Phillies guys? And what are they contributing? 
You know, that's that's the problem. Phillies won't be good until somebody from their farm team comes up and makes a difference. And I feel like, honestly, the Phillies have only had that once in my lifetime, and that was J-Roll, Peace, and Chase. Yeah, you know, yes, you had Michael, you, you had Michael Jack Schmidt. I was a kid. I don't remember okay. Michael. I don't. I don't remember Mike Schmidt in the minors. But what I'm saying is, in that time when I could understand, watch, and appreciate Phillies baseball, the best players that came from their farm system and contributed were J. Roll, Peace, and Chase, and they don't have those guys now. That's why the Phillies are dookie. That's why they'll flirt with first place for maybe a couple of games and then be dookie again. That's why you're losing to the to the Rockies. To the I, I would like to say one thing real quick. Why did you do this? Why did you for, start me on this? For the record, I just want everyone to know I know how to push his buttons too. That's all. Now, where were we? We got if, football. If, to talk if, about. if this wasn't a family show, I'd give you the finger right now. <laughs> I was feeling so good. I wanted to talk football. It was football. Let's talk football. football. I want to talk football. I do want to talk football. All right, look. There are some things. There, there are some narratives, you know, and, and, and I understand, you know, my, my normal rants against narratives, but I do have some. I have offered mm-hmm. some. You know, and we, you and I have some narratives that we've always talked about when we, in the time that we, you and I have been doing podcasts together. One of those that that you like to push because it's true, although, admittedly, it's it hasn't been true last season, and it looks like it's not going to be true this season. But it's that the Atlanta Falcons are frauds. Oh, they've graduated yeah. after the Super Bowl loss. Mm-hmm. They've deteriorated from frauds because, see, to be a fraud, you have to at least have the appearance of being good, although not actually being good. So you were never actually good, but at least they, prior to Super Bowl, they gave the appearance of a good team. Post Super Bowl, they've graduated to flat out bad. You yeah. don't hear me say they're frauds as often nah, anymore. No, nah, yeah, uh, Falcons is garbage. Falcons yeah, is they're, straight just, they're just bad now. But there's been one that I push, and I say it every year. Spout that team in Cleveland. Brown's going to Brown. Yes. Every year. No matter what. History tells you. I don't think you. that's fair this year. I don't think that's fair this year, but I watched them blow a 22-10 lead. To who? To, to uh, Kansas City. How many teams have we seen blow 20-point leads to Kansas City? A lot of them. But that's not just the Browns. That Kansas City, that, that, that offense can, let, can go off on anybody at any moment. Brown's still Brown. Now, True, look, now, but they came out, they fought hard, they played a good game, and when the Kansas City gets rolling, I don't know anybody in the league, hmm. when they're at 100%, that can really do much to stop it. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you a point of clarification. Is that a moral victory to you? Do you believe no in a moral victory? No such thing as a moral victory. You lose, you lose. Okay, so that's a loss. Because I it's feel a loss. Like, because I, I feel like I heard that about that Kansas City um, – that Kansas City Cleveland game. Oh, they look good. You know, they they look good in defeat. They 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 played well, but you know. Now, if I'm a coach for the Browns, or if I'm a fan for the Browns, 
I don't come out of that, that game being completely discouraged. Like we lost, it's the end of the world. We stink. We'll never win again. Because there was a lot, there were a lot of good moments. They did look like a quality football team for most of that game, but you didn't win. So clearly, there's room to improve. You play to win the game. Understood. Understood. I feel like I heard that in, I heard that you know the whole moral victory talk in the Cleveland game, and I heard it again when people were talking about the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys lost to Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. I feel because I don't hate the Browns like I hate the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I was more than willing, you know, like the Browns, eh, Browns going brown. But, okay, I hear what you're saying. I don't want to give the Cowboys no credit, even though, you know. Well, there was, honestly, they were in the same situation, mm-hmm. and their quarterback hadn't played for a year. So for first game back, he looks much better than I expected. For not that I thought he was going to have a bad year overall, but I thought the first game too, mm-hmm. you'd see some signs of rust as he's working his way back into the game shape and getting readjusting to game speed. He looked fine. Mm-hmm. You know, all that talk of sore shoulder, lat strain, or whatever it is. He looked good to me. Looked good to you, but there were, I guess, there they've already had some setbacks. Collins, uh, Collins. Is well, hurt. Collins. Mm-hmm. He's out. Uh, who else got? There was a, uh, another injury on uh, on the Cowboys, but I see them having to go out west to the Chargers and then hosting Philly. It's feasible that the Cowboys could start 0-3. Don't want to look that far ahead. Not trying to look that far ahead. Hoping for it, though. I mean. I'm, I'm hoping for it. Let of me course, we all hope for Cowboys losses there at every opportunity. Let me tell you I mean, something. we all want the, the Cowboys, Cowboys to be If the Cowboys start 0-3, I promise you, Ashley Baker will block me on Twitter. <laughs> Ashley Baker, I'm, I'm shouting you out, Ashley. You will block me on Twitter. You will block <laughs> me and end our friendship if the Cowboys start this season 0-3. It will, it, 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 you will not hear the end of it. I will tweet you every morning that the Cowboys are 0-3. Now, you realize we are definitely, definitely, definitely getting ahead of ourselves. We are. We are. But we're fans. I mean, the Nobody Eagles played us. one game. One game. Against a bad team. Bad team. Team looked good. Jalen Hurts MVP. And we're already thinking about week three matchups. <laughs> When you've got a tough matchup coming into week two, got that right. And who knows what what shape they'll come out of week two? And mm. so let's just focus on week two. The 49ers. No, you're right. And we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit more of, about the Eagles matchup in a second because mm-hmm. we got a guest waiting on the line. But real quick, you know, we're talking about week one, recapping week one, talking about narratives, things that we've always said about the NFL. You have been a staunch. Avid Jameis Winston hater. 
I hate know. Is such a strong word. It's, a, it's not hate. Sounds like hate. If it walks like hate. a duck, walks. If it walks like a it's duck. It's not hate. That's hate, bro. It's not hate. So let me ask you this. I just think he's a career bad decision maker. All right. That's cool. When, That's all. When a lot of bad decisions on Sunday. You haven't seen a four or five touchdown game from Jameis before? Not that didn't come with four or five interceptions. Oh, yes, you have. He's had those games at Tampa Bay that made you think Jameis was the man. Well, look, man. This is why I said on Sunday when we were doing our post-game show that this was one of going to be – Jameis was one of the bit, going to be one of the biggest overreactions in the NFL after week one because we've seen big games from Jameis before. The problem with Jameis is consistency. It's not top-end talent. When Jameis is at his best, he is one of the best. The question with Jameis is how often and how regularly does he play at his best versus I'm throwing to the guy in the jersey that looks opposite mine because oh, I hate. don't know. I, that sounds like hate. It's not hate. That sounds watch like the hate. Ta- it's watching the tape. Be, it's being objective. Okay. That sounds we're, like we're in wait and see mode with Jameis. All right. Real quick, last uh, – do you think there's good? Can there be a happy ending to this uh, Aaron Rodgers Green Bay saga? Aaron Rodgers looked like he was. Like, Aaron, Ro- Aaron Rodgers Aaron looked like Rodgers. he wanted a piece on uh, I, Green Bay right I, there on the sideline. Like you know what? If I could walk out, I, I would. See, I'm going to be very, very serious as I talk to you about this. Aaron Rodgers learned his lessons quite, quite well as a young player in the NFL. Let's see. Most people for many years early in Aaron Rodgers' career were of the belief that Brett Favre was not willing to mentor him or teach him anything. That is is clearly false. Because what we are seeing now Mm -hmm. is that Aaron Rodgers has become Brett Favre. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Talk that talk, man. I'm listening. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is in interviews talking about, well, until I feel that motivation, that commitment, yeah, retirement's on the table. Oh, you drafted that kid? Oh, yeah, you're going to have to give me more money. Oh, I might retire. Oh, I don't know what I want to do if I want to come back. I'm going to hold the organization hostage every year until I get what I want. That playbook sound familiar? No, Does that I'll, playbook sound familiar? I'll stop you when you're wrong. So, wow. Like, back, so, as I was saying, people say that Brett was not a teacher. Brett was a master teacher. So, Brett Favre is back home watching this play out. Like, damn, sound familiar. Where did mm-hmm. he get this from? Oh, no. Nah. Brett Favre sitting home with the iPhone in hand, sending texts like, yeah, you got him now. Do this, this. I hear you. I hear it's you. Geppetto. <laughs> oh, Brett. Oh, you see Brett Favre's pulling the strings. He... <laughs> All right. Look, let's circle back to the Eagles, man. We got to bring in our guest. We have a guest, ladies and gentlemen. Friend, longtime friend of the show. Let, let, let me read. Let me read this man's uh, 
this man's uh, resume real quick. He's the host of the Broad Street Line on Philly Cam Radio 106.5. He's the host of the John Appetit Podcast. He's the former host of Birds Outsiders on NBC Sports Philly. He's a friend of mine, friend of the show, Temple grad. That's right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Roy Burton is on the line with us. Roy, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming on with us. Glad, glad to have you. Look, man, we, you and I, we haven't talked on a podcast probably since that Super Bowl year. It's been a while, yeah. It, it's been it, a while. Been, been too long. long. Been too long. Been way too long. Team has changed. <clears throat> Coaches changed. Quarterbacks mm-hmm. changed. You know, Philly sentiment has not changed. <laughs> One game into the season, I'm already look. Jalen Hurts MVP. Listen. Like, I know we're supposed to kind of, you know, temper our expectations here in Philadelphia. Because, again, we're not used to winning a lot here in Philadelphia. But, you know, like you, much like you, before the season, I was thinking maybe seven wins, maybe eight wins for this team. Have I started looking at flights to L.A. in February? Perhaps. Yes. I don't know. Yes. Have I started yes. looking at, at rental cars in L.A. for, for early February? Maybe. Yes. I don't know. Talk. Who Who's to say? Who's to say? Talk, talk right? that talk, OG. Oh, this look, is gonna be that look, kind of shit. I, I look, yeah. I look, I look, I look at, I look at the NFC standings. There's only one team at the top. Only one. one team at the top. Sole team I, in first place. Only team in first place. So you know what? I'm, I'm feeling good right now. If you're a fan, and, of and the, hopefully, if you're a fan of the NFC East and your team hasn't lost, raise your hand. <laughs> that's right. That's after, right. After Thursday, somebody at NFC East gonna be zero two. So look. That's yeah, yeah. We gonna be all right. How much did Jay real talk though? How much did Jalen Hurts impress you? How how much are you surprised by how well he played? Or how much it, how much of it do you feel like is just hey, he did what we thought he could do? To be honest, he, he was he was a little better than I thought he would be on on, on um Sunday. And a lot of that's because we didn't see him, you know, much basically at all in, in the preseason. And I kind of thought that they would come out a bit rusty because again, you didn't see, you know, much of the first team in that preseason. But again, like the like Jalen Hurts came out, you know, hit on all cylinders. I mean, was 27 to 35, you know, 264 yards. Um, like I always knew, like he was, he's always going to be able to get you those yards on the ground. Like he's always going to be able to, you know, if the play breaks down or if he has to get out of trouble, he's always going to give you those yards on the ground. And the issue of course was Jalen Hurts is his accuracy. That wasn't a problem on Sunday. I mean, the, the, the man hit his, his, you know, the, the, he made the read he had to hit the guys he, he, he wanted to. Um, you know, didn't didn't take too many deep shots, but didn't need to because again, like, you know, uh, Sirianni put him in good position to make plays. So kudos to Jalen Hurts. He he kind of executed that game plan as, as well as you could expect. Okay, so you mentioned Sirianni putting him in p- position where he didn't really need to take a lot of deep shots. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we talk, let's talk about Sirianni for a second because you saw a lot of different looks from that offense, right? And with that, you it wasn't really like a true base offense where you saw 12 personnel or 13 per or whatever personnel grouping consistently. There right. was just as much empty set as there was anything else. And that can keep a team off balance, especially when you're coming in, looking at a team with a new coach who you have limited tape on to begin with. Mm-hmm. What was your overall take on how Sirianni handled his first game as the head coach and the play caller? 
No, I, I think he did it as well as I think any of us could expect. Um, you know, so the first couple of plays of the game, you know, they, they had, you know, screen passes drawn up to Quez Watkins. Um, again, that wouldn't be one of the things that you would think of when, you know, it's like you're going to face the Atlanta Falcons. You would think, you know, you know, hand the ball to Miles Sanders, get the ball to Devontae Smith early and often. But obviously Sirianni saw, you know, matchups or mismatches, you know, that he could take, you know, he could exploit. Um, so he did that with Quez Watkins early. Again, you saw the the the, the rub route the, that he drew up for Devontae Smith. Um, I, I think Sirianni, I mean, I think he did a really good job of just putting guys in position to make plays. Um, again, like the Devontae Smith touchdown. Um, and again, um, kind of having Kenneth Gainwell out there um, in that two-minute offense. And again, having Jalen Rager, again, who was kind of like the, you know, persona non grata for, for a lot of the, a lot of last year and even some of the preseason. Um, he put him in a good spot late in the game to, to score that touchdown. I think, I think Sirianni, so far, again, it's one game, and it's kind of hard to kind of extrapolate this, but mm-hmm. Sirianni kind of understands, you know, what his guys are good at, and he'll put those guys in the spots to do that. Again, even we saw with Jay Jaw, like Jay Jaw, you know, couldn't can't catch a can't catch a cold, but he was out there for 16 snaps, and he wound up being the best rated one blocker according to PFF last week. I mean, if you can find a role for a guy like Jay Jaw on his team, you're doing something right. Okay, so JB has a no. I was, was going to ask. So now with that. When when you talk about okay, uh, all right. So all right, I'll put it this way. So I'm watching that game. I'm looking at Sirianni's game plan develop, and I remember thinking to myself, "What by second, third drive, Miles Sanders has run the ball okay. Mm-hmm. I wish he was in the game plan a little more." But then, unlike what I'm used to in Philadelphia, where they the run if you're if you're not seeing early success you just don't <laughs> see it at all he actually worked his way back to the run where it did end up being what felt like at least like a fair amount of balance in the offense right do you think that was an intentional thing to make the run part of the game plan or was just was that that just a matter of feeling the game and seeing how it went i, I think it's I, I think it's well I think it's a little bit of both, not to be a cop-out answer, but I mean, like, I, I, no, I, I think, I think again, I think, it, I think Sirianni kind of understood, you know, under like as the game went on, he kind of understood, you know, what the weaknesses he could, uh, what weaknesses that the Falcons defense had, and, and he could exploit that. But I think Sirianni, nothing for nothing, I think Sirianni like tries to make it a point, or will try to make it a point to have. Um, uh, Devon, um, Miles Sanders kind of involved in the game plan, you know, involved in the game plan for, you know, quite a bit. Because again, like you, you mentioned, we saw last year, how many times have we seen last, even last two years, Miles Sanders would get like seven carries in the first quarter. It's like, oh, Miles Sanders, all right, he's going to have a great game. And then he'll get like three or four carries or three or four touches for the rest of the game. And it's like, I don't think that's like a feel thing. It's just, I think it's just like, you just decided not to exploit the run anymore. I think Nick Sirianni understands that, you know, running backs are really kind of, creatures of habit and they get you know you got to get them warm you got to keep them warm and keep them like, involved in a game plan i think even if he doesn't use uh, miles sanders early in the game i think you'll consistently see miles sanders be a guy who gets you know 15 18 touches a game but that said i mean you have weapons like you know clearly kenny gainwell and even boston scott who you didn't really see on sunday you have other guys you can you can put out there so um it might be a kind of a, a committee kind of thing but i think you'll see a, a pretty healthy dose of miles sanders going forward i think honestly one of the underlying stories that we heard about the Eagles in that game was just how much they, like how much sharing the ball there was, and that there was kind of an emphasis on utilizing team depth. Right. So you know you didn't see a lot of Boston Scott, didn't see 
uh, Jordan Howard at all. And and I have to also on line on the line. You know, didn't see a lot of uh Dillard. Mm-hmm. You know, this week it looks like uh Dickerson's working his way back in. And with the at the addition of a seventeenth game, like it seemed like the early signs were they were utilizing this depth. They're gonna utilize depth, try and save a lot of these veterans to the end. Did you see that? Was like was that obvious to you or were you kind of wondering, hey, what's going on here? What's you know, what's happening here? What's uh you know is this a, a game plan that he's sticking with? Yeah, no, I think you I think you, you kind of saw it saw, saw it quite a bit because again, the first play of the game, you know, Jalen Rager wasn't even on the field. Um, so you saw Jalen Rager again, not on the field. Again, you saw I think you got I think you wound up with the second most amount of snaps when it came to wide receivers, but he wasn't out there every play. Greg Ward was barely out there. Um, and again, we thought that Greg Ward would you know be the number possibly the number three receiver or maybe number four receiver. He didn't play that much. He played as much as as Ortega Whiteside. But look on the other side of the ball though, like look at like the defensive line. Like if you look at the snap counts, like nobody played sixty percent of the snaps in the line. Like Fletcher Cox, I think played fifty seven percent of the snaps. He was the highest guy. You had basically like an eight man defensive line out there with you know with Cox, and again you saw how how good uh like the rest of the the deep tackles were, um, especially. Um, uh, who else was who was uh, Hargrave, Hargrave. Yeah, Javon Hargrave who had, who had the two sacks. Um, so you saw Hargrave and you saw you know Barnett, like you saw basically like a, a pretty solid rotation um, at defensive line. And I think you're going to see that going forward with the defensive line, the, the wide receivers and the running backs. And again, as you mentioned, John, with, with the 17 games, again you don't want to play, or I don't think you're in a position to play any of those guys. You know, 80 percent, 85 percent of the snaps, considering that you have another game to play, you want to keep those guys fresh. And if you have enough talented guys, then, then by all means, go for it. At some point, I, I, I forgot Ryan Kerrigan was on this team. <laughs> I think we all did. I, and, and, and I say, I say that be, like, being completely like serious. I saw him in the game. I saw his uniform. I saw his back. Oh, snap. I forgot we got Ryan Kerrigan. <laughs> and, I th- and I think that kind of that also kind of spoke to things because I'm talking I'm thinking about what I wanted to see from the defensive line right. and I'm somebody who said you know what Brandon Graham is one of my favorite players but he's getting long in the tooth and I understand his time in Eagle Green you know is, is limited mm-hmm. and I would like to see Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat assume the roles of the defensive ends of the future how so? You know, as they came out the game, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm ready. I want to see more. I want to see more Barnett. I want to see more Sweat. I forgot Ryan Kerrigan was even on the team. But I think that once again plays into it. You're talking about you know you're talking about a defensive line that's like eight deep, and this is and as time went on, as the game went on, they were starting to get pressure. Mm-hmm. I feel like for years we were begging, like, come on will this team ever get pressure with just four guys? And you right. were seeing it. You were seeing – you get past those first two drives from the Falcons where it looked like mm-hmm. they were just marching up and down the field. I, I don't know if somebody just pulled them aside and said, y- y'all know we playing the Falcons, right? <laughs> but they were deep, right? I mean – Yeah. And that's and look, that's all you can really – that's all you can really ask for is like, look, like just whenever you're in – whenever your number's called, to kind of go in there – and make a play. And like you said, after those first two drives, 
where it looked like Calvin Ridley was going to have a 200-yard game and you look like the Falcons were going to run all over you. And those first two drives, you know, Gannon and that defense kind of kind of locked everybody down. Again, you have, like you said, you had an eight-man defensive line. You got your rotational defensive tackles getting getting a bunch of sacks. And like you mentioned, like you had the the uh, the, the weekly or bi-weekly Ryan Kerrigan sighting by the, by the Eagles. Like there was, like, it was a, a, both sides of the ball played excellent, especially after the first couple series. Um, like I really don't like. I, I kind of figured that we all kind of thought that the, the Falcons would be uh, of the first couple of games of the season. Like the Falcons was probably the most winnable game. Um, but I didn't think that they would come out like that and like, you know, put up 32 points. I mean, they haven't scored 30, they didn't score 30 points in the game all, all year last year. They gave you 32 in the, in, in the first game against the Falcons. That's why, you know, we're kind of, we're a little, we're a little excited. Maybe, maybe more excited than we should be. margin of victory since the NFC championship game against the yeah. Vikings. Yeah. And to your point about the defense after the first couple of drives, I remember texting Jake with JB during the game. First drive, we're like, this doesn't look good. They're just moving the ball however they want. Mm-hmm. Second drive, we're really saying that. To, and then they hold up twice. And I said, Ben, don't break with a question mark. After that, it, there wasn't much bending at all. It mm-hmm. was literally they made it to the Eagles into Eagles territory again once for the rest of wow. the game. Wow. They they crossed the 50 line. after those first two drives, there was only one more possession that crossed the 50 yard line for mm-hmm. the Falcons. So that defense woke up in a statement type of manner. Now, now look. Uh we we kind of talked about it on we kind of talked about it last week on on our Eagles post game show. Mm-hmm. We can we can joke about you know Super Bowl MVP you know that's, <laughs> that, that 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 stuff is for, is fun you know that, that's yeah, just yeah. for joking around. Realistically, how much of a you know how much of a a reality check will this game be on Sunday? Because the Niners ain't the Falcons. No, you know I'm. There are a couple of things that kind of I think play to. The Eagles' favor. Niners had to fly out to uh, Detroit for a game, fly home, and now flying back out to Philly for two one o'clock games out mm-hmm. of their zone. Mm-hmm. I, I apparently actually heard they didn't go back to California after the Lions really? game. I okay. believe they've been in West Virginia for the week. That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not. That's not. That's not helping. But 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 nonetheless, how much of a, a a reality check are we in for? Are we are we going to be here next Thursday, next mm-hmm. week, talking just like like bro, what happened? Well, well, Is, that that's the bigger test. I mean, like the, like let, let's be honest, let's be real. Falcons stink. All right, like I don't think we learned a lot about the Eagles. I um, mean, again, they looked they look good. Like everybody, you know, both sides of the ball look good. The coaches, you know, called a good game plan. I'm not sure how much we learned about the team on Sunday, other than the fact that they can beat a bad team. Um, we'll learn a lot on, on Sunday, even though the nothing for nothing, the, the Niners are kind of beat up. I mean, they got, obviously they're, they're down, you know, Raheem Moser's out for the year. Uh, Jason Verrett, their starting cornerback, he's out for the year. Um, I just saw their, their other uh, defensive back, uh, uh, D Greenlaw, he's out. He has a groin injury. He's going to miss, miss the game. They're kind of beat up. And again, I'm, I'm always, just like you, JB, I'm always that uh, West Coast team playing playing at one o'clock on the East. I'm always, you know, I'm always looking at those those games when I'm I'm scrolling through the lines and kind of seeing, you know, which teams can get caught. Um, 
and you're probably nothing for nothing. You're probably not going to turn them over a lot. I mean, unless you know, unless the rookie Elijah Mitchell, the running back, unless he puts the ball on the, on the ground, you know, I don't think the Niners are going to turn the ball over a lot because Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't really turn the ball over, mm-hmm. um, and his defense doesn't force turnovers like even still, which is amazing to me. But nothing, not, nevertheless, you have to play. You're going to have to play a really clean game. Um, in order to beat the Niners, um, I think it's possible. I mean, if I had to pick it, I'll I'll, I'll pick it now. I'll say the Eagles will win, um, but they're gonna have to do a lot of lot of things right. And if they do a lot of things right and look as good as as we think they can look, then they'll be in good shape. You know, going going forward, two and zero in the division or doing two and zero at the top of the division. Was there anything in sun this past Sunday's game that the Eagles did right that you kind of think might just be, if anything, like an, an abomination? They just, or, you know, it's like, hey, hmm. you know, there, there's no way they can do this twice. Like you watch them, do, you watch them dominate the Falcons on both sides of the ball on, right. on the line. You, the offensive line played great, defensive line played great. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw, you saw Nelson and Slay kind of shut down that that passing game. Right. So you want to know if it was real or if it was a flip? <laughs> yeah, if, if, well, I, I would say if any, was there anything you could say? Hey, you know what? There's no way they do that two weeks in a row. I, I'll say two things. Um, one, Jalen Hurts is not going to have another. Well, not on Sunday. I don't think he's going to have another 77 percent completion percentage game against the Niners. Again, the Niners, even with their injuries, again the Niners are they're a really good defense. They have two of the you know best pass rushers in the game. Um, so again, like he's, he's going to have less time to throw the ball, you know, theoretically on Sunday. So I don't think he's probably going to have an, the clean pocket and have time to be as accurate as he was against the Falcons and the Eagles defense didn't give up a 20 plus yard play uh, on, on Sunday, which again, they're the only team in the league not to do that. Um, and again, the Niners have a couple, couple, couple burners out there. They have, you know, they have a couple guys who can kind of get deep. You saw what Debo Samuel, um, did against the, the Lions last week. So I think they'll probably give up a big play or two cause, cause just because, you know, the law of averages kind of thing. Um, but other than that, I think the other stuff kind of carries over. I mean, they, they just off at the line, they're still going to maul people. I mean, they're still going to again. Jordan Malata is still going to like block guys in the next week. Um, Jason Kelsey's still going to still going to be that that road grader that we know he is. So I think a lot of this other stuff carries over. What? Talk to me about Jordan Malata. <laughs> I, I yeah. this is the story. This is a story. Philly people just 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 die for it you know that that mm-hmm. late round pick who works his tail off to become a stud you know that's why we believe in almost everybody we pick in the fifth sixth seventh round <laughs> you know there's always right. one undrafted free agent and we just you know and and here now we now see we now see that that late round pick Outplay the guy we drafted in the first round. Take the position. Get his bag. Mm-hmm. He got paid, so jobs won. Mm-hmm. Ain't no yeah. battle no more. Jobs won. Like what? <laughs> battle's over. You right. know. Well, let me let me ask you guys a question because again, people ask me the question and and, and I have an answer for it, but I, I'm kind of curious to see what see what you guys think about this. Does the Jordan Mylotta? Because Jordan Mylotta, he's a player. Like I think I think we're all mm-hmm. in agreement that Jordan Mylotta's a player. He's a legit guy. You know, Pro Bowl caliber. Um, you know, tackle in, in this league, and Andre Dillard is not. And <laughs> even though he was drafted to be the that guy, does the Jordan Mylotta pick and development of Jordan Mylotta into what he is now? Does that completely negate whiffing on Andre Dillard? I don't think it does. I don't think the thing the two cancel out. But I'm kind of interested to see what you guys think. For me, the Jordan Mylotta contract extension being the start of the whole situation only exacerbates the whiffing on 
Andre mm. Dillard because what did you just spend a first round pick on Dillard for then if you already have the guy in house that's not now we're t- now we're not talk- only talking about not being able to assess guys in the draft process that aren't in house now we're saying you you can't even properly evaluate the guys that you have in house and you see every day mm-hmm. if that's what you're telling me if that like you just yeah, I don't like this guy who just gave eighty million dollars a year ago, what a year and a half ago when you drafted Dillard. You couldn't tell this guy had the potential to even be a starter. They, like we just gonna take Dillard down. Dillard wasn't even the best tackle in that draft where you were like a sure thing kind of guy. So it just gives me as many questions as it does answers. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this: I think it. I wouldn't say it completely negates it. I do think it makes it a little easier of a pill to swallow mm-hmm. because you're not complete. You're not completely out of a starting left tackle. Right. You know, I, I think honestly, when you look at, when you look at the quarterbacks who have succeeded over the last 20 years of Eagles football, they always had that guy at left tackle, you know, McNabb had Runyon. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, Vic Foles, Cobb, they, you know, they, they had Runyon, then they had uh, Jason Peters. Right. Now you have my you have my lot. I don't think that that closes the book on on uh, Dillard yet. You know, maybe, you know, maybe he, you can find a place for him. Maybe on the right side. Maybe there's some place you can put him. If not, maybe you can, maybe there's. You can flip. There are some aging bodies on the O line. Yeah, yeah there, there, there are aging bodies, and I think honestly, what, what, if anything, we've seen from, from this, uh, from this coach, if anything, we can take from, uh, week one is he's committed to the young guys. He's committed to the young guys, and even the, and and he's committed to the young guys without making it obvious that he's pushing the old guys out. <laughs> Whereas, you know, it's, it's, it's like, okay, you know Fletcher Cox is getting older. You know Brandon Graham is getting older. But you're not watching them. You're not watching them get pushed out the door. You don't, you know, they were contributors in the game. They'll probably be contributors in the next game. You know Lane Johnson is on his way out. It doesn't have to be this season and next season. You have Dillard for, you, you have Dillard. He's there. See if he can play the right tackle position. You don't mm-hmm. know if you're going to get 17 games out of Lane Johnson. You got to at least see. Now, I think if you're a if you can successfully get Dillard to a place where he's the the heir apparent to Lane Johnson, if you can find a way to say, "Hey, we drafted him. <laughs> we drafted him to be the left tackle, but hey, we were able to find uh, you know make him into a, a decent right tackle." You ain't gonna be able to tell Howie Roseman nothing. I mean, well, to, <laughs> to be fair to Andre Dillard, while we're calling, saying, talking about whiffing on that pick and such, by all reports that I was hearing, at least he had at least a, I won't say great, but at least a productive camp this year where he looked like he's an NFL player. He didn't stink up the joint, you know. But my <laughs> but my lotta won the job. My lotta was won the job. He was the better player. I'm not right. saying otherwise. But it, I, 
Dillard didn't look as though he could not play if needed to be thrust into service. He's a serviceable tackle in this league. I, I think I think that ship has sailed as far as whether or not he's going to ever be a starting tackle on this team. Um, I think he's probably just going to play out the string on this contract and they'll kind of go from there. Because, uh, again, I, I think – I mean, I, I think the, the, the Diller era is pretty much done. Again, unless someone gets hurt this year and he has, has, to, get, has to get pressed into duty, then so be it. But, I mean, I think you know, he's probably just one of those guys like, you know, like the point guard on, on the local basketball team that just needs, a, you know, change of scenery, another uniform. Like, go to another city and get a fresh start. Because, I, I mean, I, again, like we, saw, we, we just said, I think he's a fine NFL player. I just don't think it's going to happen here. So you could never, you could never see him that's maybe sliding to the inside for a Sayamalo in a year or two. No, I think he's, I think he's like from what I've heard. Again, I've heard he's just a, he's like he's basically a tackle, and I don't think he's worked out that much on the on the on the other side on the right side. I'm not sure if he has or not. I, I can't remember, but I don't remember hear, hearing him um, working out on the other side. Um, so I don't think he's going to slide. I mean, Sayamalo's locked in a guard, and again, depending on what they what they do with Dickerson, I know Dickerson was working out at guard today. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on what they do with Dickerson, maybe they have their other guard, uh, whether they have play him at guard or, or center. So I, I think their interior, you know, depending on Kelsey and Brooks and all that stuff, I think their interior is pretty much set anyway. So, I mean, I think if, if Dillard's going to be on this team, it's going to be his right tackle. Um, but again, unless he starts working on a right tackle like this year, I'm not sure if that's going to happen on the Eagles. We'll see. I, I but, but I guess to answer your question for me, it, doesn't completely erase it. I, I think if any, if anything, it pisses off the previous quarterback even more. <laughs> it's like you found your start. You, it's like all I want, all I wanted was some weapons. You found right. your starting left tackle, and you 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 found your starting left tackle, a tackle well and a tackle good enough for you to give a bag to in the late rounds, and you drafted another tackle in the first round who can't get on the field. And then watch me get beat up all season. That's well, well, <laughs> well. I mean that. That being said, I mean the other quarterback left a whole lot of plays on the field last year. So true, true, true. So I and mean, it's easy know. to get beat up when you hold the ball longer than you should. Exactly. If you hold, if you hold the ball like like longer, way longer than you should, you know, like I don't care who's your left tackle. All right, like it doesn't matter. Like if it's if you hold the ball for six seconds, someone's going to get at you. Like I don't care. I don't care who's who's on that line. So I mean, like he's not he's not he's not completely you know free of, of the blame. There. I'm not I'm not completely jumping down that foxhole of <laughs> of, of Wentz apologists. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. I know, but, I know. but what I am saying is, you know, for for a guy whose issue, you know, I, I we talked about there being a lot of blame to uh, to uh, to pass around as far as the failure of the previous regime, and I think for him as he moves forward, I think that just you know, watching Myalata win that job and watching them struggle to find a place for Dillard only solidifies yeah. his opinion that hey you know what it might have been a it might have been in the best interest for me to jet. And no. honestly, yeah. he's going, I'm sure he don't miss us. We sure after that game, after Sunday's game, we won't miss him. You know, so all's well that well, well. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you raise a good point again. If they use that pick on somebody else, if they use that pick you know, on an offensive skill position player, if they use the the Ortega wide side pick on somebody else. I mean, you you know, if you play revisionist history, obviously, then it kind of kind of works out. But again, I'm I'm the kind of I'm like the opposite kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of guy like all that stuff happened for a reason. So if like if you made better picks then, then you wouldn't have a Devonte Smith. 
And I'll take Devontae Smith every day of the week because, like, Devontae Smith, from what we saw on Sunday, Devontae Smith's a player. I mean, that's a, he's a legit wide receiver one in this league. And it's been a long time since you had one of those guys on this team. No, you're absolutely right about You're absolutely right about that. And what, first, I don't I, – I, I looked it up originally. I, Eagles hadn't even drafted a Heisman Trophy – hadn't drafted a Heisman Trophy winner, I don't think, in any of our lifetimes. You know, we're talking about, uh, I think we're talking about like leather helmets as far as the last time a Heisman Trophy winner actually got drafted by the Eagles. And for them to go yeah. out there and get a guy who you could legitimately say was the best player at that position in the draft who's not a quarterback. Like, we, we, talk, uh, we talked on Sunday, you know, Carson Wentz, although he, you know, he was an FCS player, he looked a part of a starting quarterback. He mm-hmm. looked like one of the better quarterbacks in the draft. You go back to Donovan McNabb, you, you know, yeah, we're talking a year after Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf, whatever happened, you know, despite what what happened to Ryan Leaf. You know, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. You look at the other quarterbacks, he was, he was there. He was probably one of, if not the best quarterback in that draft. Like, they've gotten yeah. decent quarterbacks. This was the first time in a long time, if, if not ever, you're out there saying, hey, man, they got the best wide receiver. And they had a need, yeah. and they got the best play- – not not just the best player available, the best player in that draft. And, and, and they got extra draft capital. Like, that's that's the thing. It's like you get the guy you want. You get, Well, you get the guy you want. You get the guy – not that you should be doing it for the fans. But you get the guy the fans want. And you get extra draft capital as well. I mean, we knock Howie a lot. Like, Howie, you know, his draft record is a little questionable. You know, you can just kind of go back to, you know, records of the class, uh, the draft class the last couple of years. But, again, like, what he did to get Devontae Smith, that that that's a master class in GMing. I mean, like, and that – and I think, you know, JB, you mentioned it earlier. Like, you know, a couple of these guys hit, you know, this year's class. Howie probably bought himself a couple of years. Like, he probably bought himself some, some slack going forward. So, I don't think this guy's going to go anywhere. Um, I don't know if that makes people upset around here, but I mean, he's, I said he, he the did. same thing a couple of months ago after the draft. I was like, he probably bought himself some time, yeah. and I was unhappy with that. I look, man, I ain't gonna lie. I, I, I was one who said when the season ended last year, I said, look, get rid of all. I, I thought everyone needed to go. Mm-hmm. I said, don't get, don't get rid of one, don't get rid of two. They all need to go. GM needs to go. Head coach needs to go. Quarterback needs to go. <laughs> yeah, I was a proponent of the same thing. If you're getting rid of Doug and Carson, get rid of Howie too. Exactly. Clean house. Was, like, if you, why get rid of the coach? Why get rid of the quarterbacks and keep the guy who brought both of them in here? Right. Why, why get why why keep the guy who was responsible for this terrible roster? I mean, yeah. again, like mm-hmm. this this roster again, like even now. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be real. Like this this roster, not the most talent rich roster in the NFL. I mean, again, there's a couple guys that we like. I mean, obviously, Miles Sanders can play. Jalen Hurts looks like a player. Devontae Smith, a couple guys on defense. They don't have a, a, a whole lot of talent on the roster. So, again, like, this guy, Howie Roseman, is 100% responsible for the guys that, that, that go out there every single Sunday. And he keeps his job, and the other two guys don't keep their job. Like, that seems a little off to me, but, hey, yeah. But, but he's 1-0 I- right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's one he like right now. Yeah, he looks like a he looks like a genius now. Look, if Jalen Hurts is is half the guy or eighty percent of the guy that we saw on Sunday, like Howie Roseman is never going to have to worry about you know 
finding a table in this rest in the city for dinner ever again. Like now, they, just they, imagine what your team yeah. could look like if you weren't spending fifty million dollars on players not here. They, it's amazing. They have twenty million in cap space. They have thirty million in dead money to Carson. They got dead money for Alshon oh. Jeffrey. They have mm-hmm. dead money for Malik Jackson. Like you're right. Like if they if, if they didn't have all this dead money and guys who aren't even here, like this team would be pretty be pretty good. Yeah, talent wise. Yeah. As, as of right now, Harry Roseman is still paying for dinner. Hey, yeah, you, know, not- you know he, he. In fact, he might pay twice. <laughs> he's not getting a. He's, he he might pay twice, and he's not getting a good table. But he can he can change that. Mm-hmm. He can change that. He's had good tables in restaurants. He's gotten yeah. you know he's gotten his share of free meals. If he wants to get back to that point where he is lauded, applauded, and he is loved in this city, couple I would of these, say couple of these I'd say over the pass. next year or two, it'll be very interesting as some of this dead money we were just talking about yep. comes off the books, and. You have that little window while you either have Jalen Hurts on a second-round contract and you're deciding what to do with him. You've got a window there where you should be able to bring in some talent, some some high-level talent, Mm -hmm. multiple first-round picks, lots of cap space. This will be the next two years or so, assuming how he's here, will be a major test for him and go a long way to how his legacy with the Eagles will be defined. Yeah, no, no, like you mentioned, like you got the multiple first round picks, maybe three first round picks next year. You know, all the mm-hmm. dead money we talked about off the cap. You know, Zach Ertz is probably gone. Um, you know, obviously you need to kind of like figure out what you're going to do at defensive end. But again, you're not paying, like, again, you're paying Jalen Hurts, you're, you're starting quarterback, second round money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, then that's, if you're paying your quarterback, you know, below market rate, you can usually, you can take that money and do other things. Again, we saw it in Seattle. Like we've seen it, you know, like all around the league where if you're not paying your quarterback, you can kind of bolster your defense or your other, other spots and, you know, other, other spots in your team. But again, just like, look at, look at guys like, you know, you're getting contributions again, it's one game, but you're getting contributions from Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, he's your, you know, your, your, your number two running back as of right now, he's you know already, you know, giving you, giving you, um, you know, you know, positive, positive plays. Patrick Johnson had, had, a, had a sack or, or had a, had a big play. Um, he's your seventh round pick. I mean, if you have a couple of those guys start to hit and you have cap space, I mean, like this is again, like you're in a really good spot. I mean, again, this is how teams are supposed to, you know, how supposed to be built. Like you gotta yeah. build through the draft and then you kind of like fill in the other pieces through free agency. And the Eagles, and again, in a couple of years, they they could be in a really good spot. Um, you know, once once all the dust settles. The punter looked like a genius. Yeah. <laughs> A special teams, he could have been special teams player of the week. Special teams player, of the, week. the punter looked like you know it, it was all coming up Howie or Sunday. Howie just sitting back watching that game, probably smoking a cigar, like yeah, yeah. y'all probably wanted to put me back in the in the closet that Chip put me in, but you know. Listen, I'm telling you right, I'm telling you right now, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but no, no, but no, but here, no, but here's the thing, though, that Cowboys game is the day before Sixers training camp, right? Sixers training camp opens up. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm saying, if the Eagles win these next two games and go three and zero, you know, Howie might be king of the city. I'm, that's all. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Howie might be king of the city for a minute. Howie might be king of this. Only he might thing, be king of the city. Only thing that's going, only thing that's going to knock the Eagles off the off the front page is if Ben Simmons just walks into Sixers camp with his middle fingers up like, like <laughs> I'm here so I don't get fired. <laughs> but F Doc, 
F Joel. I'm here. <laughs> Get me out of here. Trade yeah. me for for whoever. I don't care. Uh, you know, I'm not shooting no J's. Hope you enjoyed them trading camp videos because that's the oh, only jumper you go get from me. Oh man, <laughs> look, that's that, 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 that's the show to itself. I, I don't, I, we don't even have time to get in there. Yeah, we, we, we yeah, yeah. You know, I, we've talked that. <laughs> and, talk and, about uh, me bringing up the Phillies. Here you, that's a whole can of worms. Yeah, you're about I'm, to I'm not up. gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. This <laughs> week. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not going to do that this week. But but nonetheless, <laughs> I, I do think, and, and one last point I'll make before we let uh, we let Roy go, because um, it kind of speaks to something that 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 uh, Jonesy talks about a lot on this show, and it's about basically building a team while your quarterback is on his rookie deal. Yep, and how hard it is to build a team once you've paid your quarterback. And I think that is going to be the test of Howie. He needs as many of these draft picks to pan out, you know, as possible. You know, before you get to the point where you have to decide what you're going to do with Jalen Hurts. You know, and and, and I think that that's, go- that's going to be the final test of Howie Roseman. Because we've gone back and forth. We've wanted him out of here. We've wanted him to stay. You know, he's he, he's had, you know, it's, it's been a roller coaster with really big, you know, the highest of highs because this team has won a Super Bowl mm-hmm. and the lowest of lows because this team won four games last year. Yeah. You know, so, you know, as you now have, you, I think Jalen Hurts has proved, at least proven himself within last season and this first game. He's, he's a player. Whether or not he's a franchise player, whether or not he's the future of this team, you know, that still remains to be seen. But he he is a player. But before you you know before you get to the point where you have to 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 get this man his money, you got you know you need a couple more of these draft picks uh, to to pan out. I think we're gonna. I think well, this is the year. I mean, this is the year that that Howie has to figure out whether or not he and the team is committed to Jalen Hurts. Because again, you you have tons of capital. Like if Jalen Hurts is the guy, then you surround him with guys in this draft, and then you kind of build, and that's your core going forward. If Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, if week, if you know game seventeen comes and goes, and you're not convinced that Jalen Hurts is the guy, then you, this is the year that you strike. This is the year that you take those two, maybe three, you know, first round picks and go get a guy because you have to get a quarterback in this league. Um, and again, there's probably there probably should be or will be some established guys on the market, whether it's a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or whoever. I mean, if you have three first round picks and a guy like Jalen Hurts, you can probably you know you know like entice the teams, some teams to kind of make some moves. So I think by the end of this year, we'll know one way or the other who the Eagles quarterback is going to be going forward. Early thing, do you think it could be, do you think it, it will be Jalen Hurts? <sighs> See, I knew you were going to ask the question. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I don't know. Like it's, <laughs> it's one game. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, I'm, like, I don't have the Morgan State Cup, but I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. You know, like I'm, You noticed like it's, it's, it, though. You know, I, 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 I see, I see it, I see, I see, I see little things. No, but yeah, I, 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 I'm drinking the Kool Aid. If you ask me, yeah, today, sure, Jalen Hurts is the guy. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't say no to a guy who looked that good, as good as that on Sunday. Roy, we're gonna I, have, and, we're gonna have you back well, on before well, the end I'll, of the season, so we'll ask you, you again then. Okay, okay. Well, I'll spare you a little bit, Roy, because what I've been saying consistently is that my question with Hurts is not his ability or what he looks like at his best. 
but how consistently can he do it? Mm -hmm. So one game just isn't a big enough sample to have any answers on Jalen Hurts. Right. One game's not enough sample. The four games from last year, not not enough of a sample. I think we need one or close to one year with these guys, with Nick Sirianni. Um, to figure out what you have in Jalen Hurts, and I, and I think we'll know. Like I think, mm-hmm. I think the three of us, and I think anybody watching this team will know whether or not Jalen Hurts has enough. Because, because again, Jalen Hurts, you know, he's 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 a talented quarterback. I mean, we'll we'll figure it out. Like it's not going to be like a a Mitchell Trubisky situation where you got to like kind of figure it out for years. Like I think we'll know by the end of the, end of the year. But if you, John, you, you got to ask me now. No. Sure, why not? Yeah, okay, he's a guy. First, okay. first, first, first of all, Jonesy, I'm sick of all your common sense. <laughs> all, all, all your mature, well-rounded thinking. Jalen Hurts. Is the, Jalen Hurts is the MVP. He's the goat. All right. I, I'm, 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 I'm giving. I'm putting that. I'm putting that on him now. Carson, who Donovan, who I'm not going to say Randall, who yet. I'm not. I'm, I'm no, not no, 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 no. We don't. We're not doing. We're not doing that. We're not going. We're not doing. I'm not. We're not doing that. Look. We can get into what's in this cup, but it ain't that strong. All right. <laughs> <laughs> But none, but nonetheless, look, I'm, I, I am pleased. I, I, I am confident going. I, 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 I am looking forward to week two. Mm-hmm. Our show next week might be a, a, a of a whole different mood. I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I, I'm, be, you know, I'm being open. It, the vibe might be completely different next week, and I might want to trade, trade Jalen. <laughs> I might want to fire Howie. I might be talking. You know, I, I don't know. But but nonetheless, that's a bridge I'll cross when we get there. If nothing else, we have a fun team to watch. And it's been a while. It's been a while that we've had an entertaining football team to watch. Like I I know you guys remember, like, especially last year, those games were painful. Like those games were painful to watch. We got something to watch this year and we we have some hope for the future. That's all you can that's all you can ask for. You're absolutely right about that. All right, real quick, Roy, where can people find you? Where can they see your work? Where can they talk to you? Uh, check me out um, on Twitter. I'm um, at the BS line. Um, I'm on there, kind of chopping it up. Um, you know, with who, whomever about about whatever. Um, so if you want to talk EO Sixers, or whatever, just you know, hit me up on on the Twitter machine. Um, John mentioned as well. I also have a podcast with my wife uh, where we talk about the food scene in Philadelphia. It's called John Appetit. You can uh, check that out on Twitter as well at John Appetit, and you can catch that wherever you get your podcast. And you can catch me on my podcast, The Broad Street Line, um, which is on podcast, and it's every Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern. 106.5 FM, WPPM, LP, Philadelphia. Jonesy, that might be a prime, uh, uh, broad street line. Roy's podcast might be a, another prime target for a Jonesy and Brown takeover. Everybody's a target. You know, now, look, look, you know, it's, We're it's about time to get back. This year. We, we, we might have to do that. Everybody, you know, if you listen to Roy's podcast, one one day we we gonna show. We ain't gonna be on Zoom or anything. We gonna be in the building, <laughs> in his take, house. Take 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 takeover is a strong word, man. Exactly. Like I'll, I'll I'll invite. I'll, I'll sound the invitation. You know, like a take look, a takeover look. and target. You know, like, like I feel a certain <laughs> way. You know, well, look, you know, other guys might try to be professional, might try to be mature about these things. That that's that's not Jonesy and me. <laughs> we, we I know what we said. We said takeover and target. Okay. Those, those those words were used for a reason. We, oh, man. we, we, we didn't say, "Hey, we'd like an invitation to your show." <laughs> oh man! <laughs> nonetheless, oh. nonetheless, hey Roy, it's always a pleasure, brother. I appreciate you, man. 
Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Thank it was a good sir. time, man. Let's do it again. All right, once again, that is Roy Burton of the BS Line. Check him out every week. Appreciate you, my friend. And once again, you can check us out every week on this on this podcast. Download us at any time. Make, just make sure you go to wherever you get your podcast. Search Best in the World Sports. Hit us up, Jonesy and Brown, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also hit us up on B-I- at BITW Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My name is John Brown. That is Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Look, brother, we've been married for about two months now. Month and a half. Month and a half. We're so not speeding that things up. No, 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 bro. Month gets, and a half. It all gets it, it all gets sped up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how marriage works. This year was 15 years for me and my wife. Feels like uh, 20. Not in a good way. In a good way, because I still need I, I still need to eat. Uh, but, but but I just want to. I would make sure she sees that clip. Look, you saw I had to clean it up because the brother has to eat. Now I don't I don't want to get you in trouble. Because I respect the sanctity of marriage, and I want to keep my man Jonesy off the couch. But I heard back then they didn't want you. That's that's true, JB. Back back then, I, I I had a difficult time with you know trying to get them to want it. But now that, not that only that was a tough time in my life. That was a tough time. But now you're hot, and now, now you're yeah. married. What now happens now? What happens now? Now I'm hot. Now I'm married. Now they be trying to be all on me. I gotta be like, nah, nah, nah. nah. There it is. There it is. That's the hardware. There is the hardware. Josie, (laughs) that is Josie. My name is Brown. We will check you out next week. Once again, remember the Green Over Everything Eagles podcast every Sunday around 7 o'clock on Facebook and on YouTube as we recap the Eagles game. Y'all have a great weekend. Enjoy the sports. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports. Or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown.